I'm Teresa Entrican. I'm a veterinarian and I bystander bird watch as a part-time hobby. Uh, so I've heard of birding, but if you want to parse it out to bystander bird, what is, is that really what they call it? Is it bystander bird watch or they call it birding? What's the difference? I'm not sure if they're, what, just accidental bird watching. I don't do it full time. I don't keep extensive lists of the birds that I see. I got into it because I like to hike and walk around and look at things and my husband, loves to look at birds and keep lists and has binoculars and so I just got interested that way. What do his lists look are they um like laminated lists where you use like a little dry erase marker and mark stuff? Does he bring a list with him when he when he go when you go on a vacation somewhere to do this? Does he bring a list? And what does that list look like? He used to keep handwritten lists and I would help him do that. Like he would tell me what birds he was seeing and I would get a pair of binoculars and I would look too and I would write down and we would make little tally marks for the number of times we saw a certain number of birds in the locations that we happened to be. But now there are birding apps that you can use. There's a birding, a database called eBird. Okay. And so it's like citizen science and it's a huge database where you can go in and and all the species you see and the mm-hmm. number that you see and the amount of time that you spent looking, that sort of thing. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> How is it different to – so you, before you ever got birding, you liked being in nature and you like hiking. How is it different to hike versus when you have – like now do you have a, like a part of your brain that's now devoted to like listening to birds and noticing birds all the time or do you still have the hiking experience where you're not focused just on the birds? When when I hike with my husband, it's a lot slower <laughs> because you tend to stop and look at things that you see fluttering in the trees. And I do like to bird by ear, so it's just something that comes with practice. You just start observing what's in your environment and hearing and putting the images with the sounds mm-hmm. together. And... Hiking in and of itself, I like to do that for exercise. You cover a lot, a lot of ground. You see a lot more things. But when you're birding, you are you're going at a much slower pace, and you're stopping every few feet to look up into the trees or to just to stop and listen. Oh, so you're not you're not like getting a good like backcountry hiking pace to get anywhere and really tromping. You're really that is that's fascinating. I didn't. You're really stopping very frequently to see what you can see and see what and listen to what you can hear. It's quite leisurely, yes, yes, and it takes hours to cover the, a small amount of ground typically. Uh, when you first started doing it, did you find that were you already used to ever being in nature and moving that slow, or was it weird? It was frustrating. It, it was frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> But then once I got the binoculars, and it feels a little bit nerdy, and people sometimes look at you funny when you're walking around just your local park with binoculars. They, I don't know, it's a little off-putting to some people, and you do feel a little self-conscious doing it. 
But when you first get a pair of binoculars, and that's, you know, that's an investment, certainly, if you decide you want to look at birds. How much did your, you don't have to say if you're, how much did your binoculars cost, do you know? I want to say they were probably five, $600 range. And why are a 500 or $600 pair of binoculars way better than, like, if I went and got a 75 or $100 pair? Like, what does it do? Is it? The resolution, okay. yeah, and really the, the distance, but the resolution at which you can see the detail on the bird. Uh, it's it's a little bit more rewarding if you can see things a little bit better. Yeah. But I went on a birding trip, um, a, a bird festival, just last week to Sax Zimbog in northern Minnesota. And when and you say uh, Sax Zimbog, it yes. sounds like a totally made up. Is it some? I get the Sax. Are Saxon Saxon Zim two separate names? What is it? Yes, yeah, Saxon Zim are two different cities, and I think they were two different railway stations or stops in Minnesota. Oh. So that's where the name comes from. And it's a bog. It's a bog. Yes, there's it's a vast forested area. Did you, when you were, do you get to walk, do you walk in the bog? Like, do you put on waders and you're like, you're really in the muck? No, there are roads you drive through, uh, you drive all through the bog and you can stop in certain places. People have actually put up feeders where you can stop and, and look for the birds that are attracted to the feeders and certainly just the habitat itself attracts a lot of owls and a lot of woodpeckers that's the draw for the festival that i was at recently like the great gray owl you'll see those in certain woodpeckers like a three-toed woodpecker we saw one of those uh, just how many, how many that, toes does a normal woodpecker have uh, i think they have <laughs> the, the naming is a little um isn't necessarily spot on like there are other <laughs> woodpeckers that have three toes okay i got you yes just somebody named it the three-toed woodpecker. And it's just an opportunity to see the birds that don't wouldn't normally come to, say, the Midwest. Um, they're typically more northern birds. And anyway, you drive through the bog and the different roads throughout the bog. You can cover hundreds of miles just stopping and looking for different owls or um, grouse, different types of grouse. And there are also trails that you can walk on throughout the bog. And then certainly if you go back at different times of the year, you can see some of the different migrating birds like warblers and things. It was just a, it was a fun experience to be there with a group of people. And it was kind of a big deal. There were a hundred, I think 130 people attended and it was kind of fun because you get on a bus <laughs> with a guide every morning and they take you to the, spa- the the places where the birds are most likely to be found. So you're not just wandering around alone, driving around on these roads and stopping every 30 feet. Which you have done. Yes. And that's, uh, that can be tedious and, and sometimes not very rewarding. So it was good to go with the group, and we did get to see a lot of the the birds, I think, because of the guides. They knew where to look. So it'll be a good experience and a good for us to go back later on our own if we'd like. Well, how do you feel if you go on a day of birding and you don't really see anything you've never seen before, just species you've seen before? Is there a difference between when you see a bird for the first time you've never seen versus a lot of neat birds that you've seen before? There a different feeling? Yes, and that's that's the purpose of 
paying attention to like the Facebook groups and eBird, they'll send you rare bird alerts. Uh, that these birds that you've never seen before, and especially if you're keeping a list, they call them life birds. Life birds. Yeah. So it's just it's a bird that you've never that you've never seen before. They call them lifers. So when we went to, for example, northern Minnesota, we saw a great gray owl, we saw a northern hawk owl, we saw some of those woodpeckers, some of those grouse that we'd never seen before and probably wouldn't have an opportunity to see in the Midwest. One of the biggest stars of the trip was a boreal owl. Mm -hmm. And it had been coming to a certain feeder to hunt the voles or the mice that hunt along the the dropped bird seed. And uh, who was hanging out at the feeder there with some regularity. Oh, so that bird wasn't there to eat the bird feed. That bird was ready to eat the things that eat the bird feed. Yeah, exactly. To eat the they eat. I think primarily voles is what they eat. But they'll eat other small rodents too. And what did it feel like to see, to catch your first glimpse of the boreal owl? It's just very cool because there are, I think there are only like 19 species of owls in the in North America, and so to check those off your list, even though I don't have a physical <laughs> list, I have one in my head of the owls that I've seen. So and just knowing that. You're probably not going to see that on a regular basis. Like in the Midwest, I still get excited around here. We see great horned owls all the time. We see barred owls all the time. We see owlets all the time in the during the the nesting season, and that's super fun. But to to see a species that you've never seen before and probably won't see with any regularity in the future is is fun, and certainly it's fun to take pictures of them. Would you use the word uh, lifer in a sentence? Like if you're on the Facebook group, how do people use it in a sentence? Well, when we would get on the bus, for example, at the bog, and the guide would say, how many of you had lifers today? How many of you saw life birds today? Okay. Yeah. Very casual. Yeah. Okay. You might have a mental list. You don't have a, maybe a written down list. Um, do you think as you, if you were, if it was possible to approach that, did you say there are how many different owls are there in North America? Or you I think, think there are about 19 species in North America. There might be an exception of a few that, uh, a few rare birds that wandered this way or got lost that might increase that species count a little bit. But I think 19 typical residents in North America. As you approached completion of some subset like that do you think like you might start getting excited about like i have to finish this like i only have two hours left or three hours left i gotta make plans to visit someplace where i can see these last ones definitely that's already, <laughs> that's already started has it really yeah yeah one of the bird one of the owls it's not a north american owl but uh um well maybe if it's in mexico sometimes I'd like to see a spectacled owl. Those are typically, I think, in like Central and South America. Be a good reason to get a passport or maybe go see some penguins in Antarctica. Oh, so you might really, if you were trying to complete something, you might really then, that would be, you, you might really take make some effort. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's just nice to go places to go different places and then experience that, the local, you know, the fauna. Yeah. 
Um, are you, are both you and your husband, when you go, do you notice all the things or uh, does he notice more just the birds and you kind of notice all the bugs and the plants and the ground cover and everything that's in the trees? Or does it really become very narrowly focused when you're on a birding trip and you're really just noticing those birds? Primarily focused on the birds, but yeah, you get, you start to get curious about the, the trees the dragonflies, the butterflies, the moths. Uh, Certainly you'll see some mammals. When we were in Minnesota, we saw a gray fox, which was pretty cool. We saw porcupine in the trees. Uh, We went on a chase to see a bull moose, but um, (laughs) it has disappeared. Wait, went on a chase? What does that mean? Well, it's just the group is texting, and and they have an app that they use to keep each other notified. The bird watchers, they keep each other notified of different sightings, and this a bull moose was seen, or a couple of them. And so we all hopped on the bus and drove over there. (laughs) It had already disappeared by the time but yeah you notice definitely notice other things what are birders like and in your experience how are they different from people who maybe are just hiking out in nature just to hike so somebody hiking versus the birders i mean we talked about the speed like the hikers you oftentimes you move faster even if you're not trying to get anywhere you just like you like the movement of getting your body moving kind of like exercise but with the birding i don't know is there a difference yeah, it's just taking, slowing down and taking more notice of what's around you. And I still do this to some degree where I get a little bit frustrated if I can't see a bird really well. It, to me, it's just a little brown bird flitting by. And I think that's how most people see a lot of birds. You really don't make any distinction. But once you get a pair of binoculars and you start looking through your identification guides and you appreciate their individuality and their diversity and just they're these little biologic works of art that (laughs) are just available for you to enjoy and it's i don't know what do you think about because you're a veterinarian and i mean you have probably have a lot of interest in a lot of different species and find a lot of things in the ecosystem very interesting what in particular is it about birds now that you appreciate? Why are they – I mean, you could probably argue any living thing is a work of art. What is, what is it about birds that are so cool and neat and draw people? What do you think it is? Probably many things about birds are fascinating. They're – you've heard it said that birds are living dinosaurs. That is cool, right? They've been around for <laughs> – 150 million years and what humans have been around for maybe 2 million years uh, dinosaurs used to have feathers right, right we see those on the new pictures yes yeah. the new illustrations and again just the diversity and I like owls and woodpeckers because they're easy to see for instance they're big birds and you know I like the raptors like the hawks too but once you start to appreciate the differences in the species, they're just amazing. The, the, it's the, I think it's the diversity and the color. Okay. And the way that they fly or the different things that they eat. Um, Is there a thing you most like to catch birds doing? Do you like to catch them singing? Do you like to catch them eating? Do you like to catch them sleeping, flying? What is- well, I most like to catch them just perched perfectly <laughs> so that I can 
you put my binoculars up and or put a scope on them because sometimes you I mean my husband has a scope I don't carry a scope around but you have to set up a scope to get a good view of something. And is that just a one-eyed or is it a two-eyed is it a binocular scope or just a one-eyed scope? Well those the scope. scopes are typically just the one-eyed okay. scope. Do you attach it to your binocular? No, you it's on a tripod. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, so that takes a little more effort and dedication and but yeah, I just love being able. To, I like to get a, a good up close view, and a lot of birders will they're satisfied with seeing a bird at a distance, just so that they can identify it and maybe get a fuzzy picture of it, or at least a fuzzy description, and know that that's what it is, and yes. they can add that to their list. But I really like to be able to see it in all its glory. Oh, that's interesting. That there are some people who really are more focused on the completest aspect as long as they saw the thing and they can prove they saw it they can tick it off their list and move on mm-hmm. whereas you're like oh, i'd rather really see that thing in motion or what it's doing right we went to lion state fishing lake last weekend and we were in search of the long-eared owl the long-eared yeah long-eared, long-eared owl. owl and we did see one and I got a brief glimpse of it. It's like, yeah, okay, it flew. And, yeah, I knew that was an owl. And, yeah, it looked a little bit different from the other owls that I've seen before. So, technically, I can check that off my list. I've seen a long-eared owl. But to me, it wasn't good enough. I need I need to see it again. I need to be able to put my binoculars on it or a scope on it and really look at it and appreciate it. Yeah. Is there anything that comes out of birding, a t- uh, like a secondary hobby that comes out of it? Like, is it the photography of trying to catch pictures? Do you sketch anything? Do you write about your experiences birding? Do you do anything that spins off of birding? Photography, yes. And probably noting more of the native plants and the insects that come to those plants and the insects that are important to feed some of those songbirds. Mm -hmm. So becoming interested in birds sparks more interest in conservation. And so we've planted in our yard and and at the property that we have near Anthony, Kansas, we've planted. So both at your suburban house and your getaway cabin. Yes, we've planted more of the native species the species of plants that are native to the to Kansas that help support the wildlife so that's a spin-off hobby that's pretty cool oh yeah and there's a lot of conservation that can happen just in your own yard if you if if you have that ability to take a portion of your yard and not just use it as lawn and plant some of these native species it it helps the, the local wildlife as well. Even just a tiny, I'm picturing the standard suburban thing. Let's say everybody's fenced up. Deer aren't typical around. I mean, you, who? I guess it could help the birds, but do they notice even a small little patch? Is that helpful? Or does it have to be a certain size? Like how much of your yard do you have to devote, do you think? I don't, that's a good question. And I think the answer that I've read is that every little bit helps. And if you think about butterfly migration and that, for example, monarchs 
only use certain plants. Okay. They need to be able to find those on their migratory path. And so even if you have some of those plants perhaps in your in the pots on your deck, they might find them. And since we've planted part of our yard in Kansas City, our backyard, with these native species, we have noticed more bees in our yard now. We've noticed more dragonflies. We've noticed more butterflies, more moths than ever before. So yeah. it's pretty cool. What do what do your neighbors or what do other people think about your birding? Like you did mention, okay, when you're in a park or something where there's other people, either they're playing or sitting or hiking or moving on some exercise trail, and you're real slowly trying to notice with your binoculars birds, maybe you feel like... People think you're a little weird. I don't know. What do people say about your birding? What do you think people think about your birding? I think they're pretty accepting. And then our neighbors, for example, we noticed that they went out and got a pair of binoculars. and they'll, Did they seriously? Yeah, they'll sit out on their Did they say like, something to you? No, we just noticed it. We just noticed that they hadn't done it before. And they'll tell us, oh, we saw a hawk or we saw this owl in our yard or something, they'll tell us about that. And they, they put up more bird feeders. We have bird feeders in our yard. People yeah. at the park are pretty cool. If you stop and look at something through your binoculars and you stay put, yeah. they'll come by and ask what you're looking at. And I, you know, I'll turn over my binoculars and point out, well, see, there's some, there's a couple of baby owls over there. Yeah. And they're pretty fascinated by that. So binoculars are, um, Again, it's an investment, and then it, when you when you get them, you you have to put a little work into it because you have to you know adjust them to your eyes, and it okay. takes a little bit of practice just to be able to. You can't you don't necessarily just lift them up and see what you're supposed to be seeing. You, it takes a while to acclimate to how to look at them from a distance at the thing that you're hoping to spot. It takes a little bit of practice. It's not just intuitive. You don't necessarily just pick them up and look through the binoculars and boom, there's that beautiful thing. Wait, so I know that... So it can be frustrating because especially when you're starting to bird and you want to see that thing and by the time you get your binoculars up there and focused and right where you need to have them in the tree, then the bird's flown away. Oh, so it's a question of really speed. Your ability to pull them up to the right spot with your eyes and then point it exactly where you want it and then if it's far away, the better the magnification the harder so that's time to adjust but like or is there something actually difficult about binoculars because i feel like the binoculars are you know there's two little glass eyepieces that go right. to your eyes and you look into the distance like right. what's the hard part of what's the complicated part of binoculars i really it is being able to you think you do, you can just lift them up and look yes. through them well, and then it's simple and perfect it's no it's wait why what's i'll the bring part? binoculars next time and i'll, <laughs> okay, I'll you'll show you yeah uh, so it's a little bit frustrating when you are trying to find. Something. Is it because it's far? If let's let's say there are lots of trees you're looking out on, and someone is pointing with their far distance binoculars at a tree, is it getting putting them on and then getting your binoculars, which are so sensitive because you're looking so far away, figuring out where exactly the right tree is, and then that spot on the tree? What's it's the that? And again, it just takes a little bit of practice. And the best advice that I got when. I was first using binoculars was look at what you want to look at. If you spot the bird in the tree, just with without binoculars, yes, you're just naked look out. at it. Okay. And then just lift the binoculars and put them right on that spot. And that'll get you closer to where you need to be with your binoculars if you spot with your naked eye first. Okay. And then lift up the binoculars and adjust from there. 
Um, have you ever been out on a birding trip and you get so frustrated with the birds once you're just not seeing anything? Have you ever gotten really pissed off on a birding trip? I think is what I'm asking because it just hasn't been satisfying. It's not enough to get into nature. You just didn't have a quality bird sighting. It it does get a little bit frustrating, but it's when I get most frustrated is when I feel like we've been looking long enough. Like I go out and I expect to be out looking for two hours and we're out for four and a half or five hours. Sometimes I get, it's a little, it's a little tedious if you're not seeing what you're hoping to see or anything special. So that reminds me like where people talk about the hunting, where people go out first thing in the morning and if nothing comes by, they're there for eight, 10, if they're there all day, they could be there from before sunup to sundown and not see a single thing. So then they're literally doing nothing because they have to be watching, but they can't do anything because they're waiting to see something. That's a good analogy because I think bird watching is probably a little bit um, in the spectrum between hunting and, say, doing something like Pokemon Go. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like you said, you can be hunting, you can sit there all day, and nothing will come by. But then if something does come by, you have that huge adrenaline surge, right? So... Bird watching is like hunting in that you you go out, you don't know what you're going to see, you don't know what you're going to find, if you're going to find anything. And so when you do, it is pretty exciting. And just, again, the variety of creatures that you can see, these little feathered wonders of art that you can see, <laughs> uh, that's maybe the like the, the Pokemon Go side of things where you go and you find your thing and there's a little reward for that. Are there places, are there easier birds that if people are going to start with, like, go look for these birds. They, they're in the same places all the time. Uh, they're cool looking and different than something you've seen before. And like Pokemon Go, it's like when you go to a place, basically any place that has a lot of smartphones has a better chance of having more of those Pokemon Go characters around. Are there easy birding? Like, that's where you should go. You'll see birds constantly, blah, blah, blah. It's paying attention to the the different times of year and the migratory patterns and the birds that you might expect to see in your area during their migration. So certainly you're going to see hummingbirds around here at certain times of year that you're not going to at other times. There's a lot of warblers, a lot of different types of um, shorebirds and songbirds, other songbirds that come through. Besides warblers, uh, different types of woodpeckers that you might see. Um, So, yes, going to, we have a few spots that we like to go near here. One is called Lowe's Bluff National Wildlife Refuge. It's near Mound City, Missouri. And then there's Murray Design Wildlife Refuge here in Kansas. We like to go and look there. And, yeah. Well, I really, I didn't know anything about birding, uh, and I'm way more interested in birding now because I've talked to you, so I appreciate you taking the time. Yes, I would recommend uh, maybe checking out even your your state's conservation magazines, you Uh know, subscribing to those things. They're not all about birding, but they're about the wildlife and the the different things that your state has to offer, and they're usually pretty inexpensive, but that's a nice way to support conservation in your state, too. 
and certainly there are apps and podcasts and things about birding and just even noticing the birds when you walk if you like to walk think about getting a pair of binoculars and just start trying to identify get a simple bird identification guide and go from there and it's if you're into music which i know you are (laughs) identifying the bird calls is really fun i love to do that there are people who will bird you can say you can check a bird off on your list if you don't see it it counts if as you, if you hear it? If you hear it, yeah. Some people, now some purists won't do that. They'll, they'll <laughs> say they have to see it, but they'll add it to their list or they'll make a notation. Heard only, but not seen. But there are lots of woodpecker uh, woodpecker species that you can hear around here, like the hairy woodpecker, the downy woodpecker, the red-bellied woodpecker, lots of different owls. Um, you'll hear wren singing. Carolina wren is, has a beautiful voice beautiful call but it's it's fun to be able to to walk and just listen to i feel like in some ways this must be what people who uh, don't follow baseball and then someone who reads the manuals and knows all the stats starts talking about it and you're like i don't know what you're talking about it sounds interesting but i don't know what you're talking about yet i'm yes clearly have to learn a little more <laughs> it's a gradual thing if you it's a gradual appreciation it was for me and you know i'm still not fully obsessively into it or anything and keeping lists, but it is it is a lot of fun. Well, this was Teresa Entrican and She Birds. <laughs>